0: Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're gonna to talk about understanding maternity medical costs. How much does it cost to have a baby in the US? Oh my goodness, it is expensive. And we are gonna talk about insurance. Ah, understanding what is covered, what isn't covered, talking about deductibles. Ah, there's so much. What do you do even if you don't have insurance? such a deep dive into this conversation because... Having a baby, we need to understand the numbers so that we're not surprised by a big bill at the end. So to have this conversation, I have Dr. Ashley Berkman. Dr. Ashley Berkman is a neuropath doctor with 10 years of practice experience. This combined with her personal experience navigating healthcare costs had led her to speak on this topic in the hopes of others can find it useful advice. While she sees a variety of patients with a range of health concerns, She has a passion for nutritional medicine, autoimmune diseases, and neurogenerative conditions. She, Ashley, was so informative when we went through this podcast. So I think if you have any concerns about understanding maternity medical costs, how to deal with your insurance company, understanding what's in network, what's out of network, I think this is going to be a really useful podcast for you. Now before we get to that conversation, I just want to thank everyone. We have noticed an increase in our ratings and reviews. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you haven't, when you have a moment, or maybe even now, head to wherever you're listening to this from and leave a rating and review. I really appreciate the effort and it just helps other people find the podcast. I also want to remind you that you can run to our website, prenatalyogacenter.com, and grab your free downloadable five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy pains. So if you can't make it to class, but you still have some backache, I got you covered. Go grab that, stick it on your refrigerator, keep it in your phone, whatever you've got to do. Just make sure you can grab it when you need it. What else is going on? Oh, so we have really enjoyed having our studio open and thriving, as well as our online studio thriving. So I wanted to give a thank you to all those that continue to show up online. So if you are interested in our classes, I have a gift for you. It's YBB10, and it's going to give you $10 off one of our eight class cards or our monthly unlimited. A little bit more yoga for a little bit less money. And then the last thing I just want to remind you, if there is a podcast topic that I haven't covered... I want you to let me know about it. So you can reach out to me at deb at prenatalyogacenter.com and let me know if there's a topic that we've either covered, but you want me to go deeper or maybe even hear a different perspective. Let me know. I'm really here to make sure that what is going to best support you during your pregnancy and birth and postpartum is being offered to you. So don't be shy about letting me know some subjects or topics I haven't covered. I said that was the last thing, but clearly I lied because I forgot to mention our teacher training. We are going to be going between online and in-person for teacher trainings because it's been so successful online. So if you're interested in taking a very deep dive into the world of perinatal yoga, check that out on our website and you can see how deep and how wonderful this program is. I am completely passionate about offering all this knowledge to new teachers to bring this to their community. You can check that out on our website as well. Okay. Enough of me. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Ashley Brookman.
1: Hi Ashley, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. So I'm all about transparency. So I'm going to tell the community, Hey friends, I am literally hiding in the corner of the yoga studio right now. I've made myself a bolster tent. So if it sounds a little different than it normally does because I'm in a big yoga studio. I just want to give you the heads up of that. But if you can just envision me hiding in the corner, I've got like five bolsters on each side with, um, with a blanket over me. So I want, I want everyone at home to visualize that. I like just kind of put out the transparency. So Ashley, let's have this great conversation about understanding maternity medical costs because wow, I have heard horror stories. So thank you for letting me pick your brain.
1: Yes, definitely. Anytime I can offer some advice, I'm definitely not an ec- expert or insurance guru, but I have, uh, you know, unfortunately been through some of the pitfalls, so I'm happy to share and answer questions.
0: Great. And you're a doctor yourself, so you've definitely been on probably the other side of that, dealing with insurance and all that. Yeah. Yes. All right. So let's start with just, I'd love to learn a little bit about you and how you became passionate about helping parents decipher the complications of maternity medical costs.
1: So as you mentioned, I am a naturopathic physician and, um, our office does take insurance here in Connecticut, which, um, we're kind of unique that the state actually allows us to bill insurance for what we do. So we're lucky that way. But I will say it is a beast. Um, and so a lot of practitioners choose not to just because you have to have a billing team and navigate when patients are like, this didn't get covered. And, you know, it's, it's quite the headache, but we are very much, um, our, our, um, you know, passion is to bring this medicine to everyone. And so um, we choose to still try to take as many insurance providers as we can, even though it is quite the headache. So, um, you know, even just hearing patient horror stories going in for labs and then being like, oh my gosh, it was $1,000. And we're like, oh no, you had a deductible. And so over the years, we've all kind of learned like how to give people heads up and how to learn about that stuff, just because I think it's only fair. Uh, patients should know a little bit about what they're getting into before they run these fun, fancy things. Um, and then on a more personal note, um, I have uh, twin boys who will be three in May. Um, and one of them that actually has a physical disability. So we're very much a medical family. And, um, you know, the birth of twins, ended up being very costly and, uh, you know, ended up being a cesarean intervention, which I've learned now is much more, um, expensive than a vaginal birth. So I feel like, especially to my, um, uh, you know, families who are having babies, I'm very sensitive to making sure they understand, uh, some aspects about their health insurance that I wasn't aware of.
0: Great. Well, that is a perfect segue to jumping into this conversation. So let's start with some, well, I'll find surprising facts about the cost of birth. When I started to research, I was shocked. So if you can, I know it might vary, but can you just give a sense of how much does an average uncomplicated vaginal birth cost. And then the same question about a cesarean and then birth center and then home birth. Cause I know they're going to be vastly different, just kind of the average cost.
1: So Kali, that can vary so much depending on your type of insurance and, uh, what state you live in and which hospital you're going to choose. Is it in network or out of network? Um, but I would say you could probably expect to max out your personal deductible, whatever that is, if you're using your insurance and delivering at a, a hospital facility. So some people are lucky to not have a deductible. And so sometimes they're like, I don't even know how much I was charged for a birth, Um and the down and dirty background is that, you know, every hospital can vary. Um, I know the hospital that we're affiliated with here in Manchester has uh, been touted to be one of the least expensive places to deliver. So the insurance companies are very favorable for you to deliver there versus some other hospitals that are twice or three times sometimes that amount. So um, I think, you know, it depends on how many people have to be in that um, delivery room? Are you high risk? Is there more, you know, staff and interventions planned? Um, is your baby going to need NICU care, which sometimes you don't know going in. So all of those things can complicate the cost of that, um, from a perspective of home delivery. So, um, it would really be subject to the cost of what your provider charges for their, um, fees. So if it's a midwife or a doula, that's going to be helping you through that. Um, some insurances will pay for that i i don't know that they cover home birth so um and so it'd kind of be subject to what that provider would um would charge you but you know from what i've heard from friends and uh, patients is a home birth is significantly less expensive because there's not the interventions of a hearing test and um, the screenings and stuff that, you know, some might find a little bit invasive right off the bat um, Mm -hmm. that get charged, you know, whenever you're at the hospital too. Um, So I I have uh, been part of this Smart Money Mama Society. That's how I think you found me. And um, I've listened to a couple of other um, practitioners who um, focus on medical uh, billing and look at people's bills and help support them through that. And they found that sometimes, you know, when you're in a hospital, you know, you're getting interventions, you're getting medications or pain meds and different things. And, you know, the cost can be the sky's the limit. They can charge you $80 for a tablet that would be, you know, cents on the dollar if you were at home. So, um, it's kind of, it gets really complicated, I guess, depending on where you're going to deliver, how you're going to deliver if there's surgery involved. Um, but I, I can kind of give you some quotes. I feel like, um, like the area hospital here, if you're going to need a, a surgical intervention, you're looking at probably ten thousand dollars plus. Um, I could be off base on that, but um, because there's a you know anesthesiologist involved and then you're having to have a like wound care and um, more you know support that way um, where an uncomplicated vaginal birth could be significantly less but truly, uh, knowing your deductible, cause you're probably going to hit it because of all the interventions, no matter how you deliver, um, are going to be required. I had,
0: um, I had two home births and I was really lucky with how it was all, how it all panned out. But uh, before we realized, and I don't know how this happened, but there, when this happened, there was one person who did all the billing for all the, the home birth midwives because they're all at a network and somehow, uh they, the person submitted the bill to the insurance company and I got a letter saying they're going to acknowledge the out of network home birth midwife as an in network. And we would, and we would be covered. And I literally laminated it. Cause I'm like, if they ever come at me, I need to have this. And oh, yeah. it was, I don't know. And it happened for both births. So maybe it was the insurance, but we, yeah, we were really, 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 really lucky. But before we got that approval. The home birth midwife had a sliding scale and it was going to be like between eight and 11,000, depending on what. But it was just, I was thinking like, that's a home birth in New York. Can you imagine the New York hospitals? I'm pretty sure here where I am in New York, it was a, a cesarean closer to like 20,000, if not more.
1: Oh, I will, I would believe it. And especially if it's a hospital, um, you know, that's like a big name, I'm sure they could probably charge that. And you know, some places they can because they have, more, you know, substantial NICU care and stuff like that. Should you feel like that's going to be something you need, but yeah, even at home births can be costly, but that's an amazing thing that you don't know how
0: I have no idea how, how it worked out, but we were (laughs) really, 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 really fortunate. So where do, would you recommend someone starting when they're trying to figure out how much they're going to be responsible for?
1: So I would talk to your provider because usually your provider only is going to have hospital uh, rights at one hospital, maybe two. Um Or if it's a midwife that's going to birth at home, then um you would want to talk to them about, you know, what the cost would be expected. And then, so usually you can call your insurance provider and you may want to call several times and laminate anything they mail you <laughs> like this or write down who you talk to and when, just because sometimes you get different information. Um, but just ask them, you know, so this is my provider. They're able to deliver at this hospital, planning on a home birth, but if it goes south and I have to go to the hospital, can you give me like estimated, you know, coverage of what that would look like? Um, and so you brought up a good point about in-network and out-of-network. You might be surprised to find that the closest hospital to your home might be out-of-network, which you usually have benefits for, but the deductibles often. Different. So, um, if that's something you're comfortable with and you've saved up and you're like, okay, well, even if, you know, worse to, comes to worse and we have to spend all that, at least you have an idea up front. So they should be able to tell you based on what your provider is able to, where they're able to deliver and provide care. Um, but I would probably have one, at least two conversations, if not three with the insurance to make sure that everybody's, you know, information lines up just to be safe. Now, what happens, I remember my son
0: just had, um, Elbow surgery, uh, oh. last year, he fell off, he was at a playground and fell and like literally smashed his elbow. So oh, we, but- it was horrible. It was absolutely <laughs> horrible. But when we were dealing with getting surgery for his elbow, we had to find, we found out that his doctor was covered. The place of, it was like a surgical center, but not everybody like that, like the anesthesiologist was not in network. So how does somebody find this out? ahead of time. So they're not in the hospital and finding out that not all the doctors that may care for them are covered.
1: So that is a tricky question. Um, I wish I had a really good answer for that. Um, I think, I mean, just asking that, saying, you know, if I need the NICU team or I need an anesthesiologist, you know, is there only a certain provider that would be a network? And of course, if it's an emergent situation, you're not probably going to be like only, (laughs) you know, but I think it's a fair question to be like, so this hospital's covered, but are all the physicians who might, you know, be in my care be covered. Um, but I do know now that, um, there's a, as of January one, there's a new law called the no surprises act, Mm. which is basically to kind of avoid that situation where, um, I mean, it still probably can happen. I know whenever we go to medical visits, if they have a sign, something saying, Hey, if you do imaging here, it may be in network or out of network, but your providers in network, like they basically just give you that verbiage. It doesn't necessarily, they aren't running your insurance to tell you, you know, yes or no, but this no surprises act is meant to kind of be more transparent in that way. So that you have an idea of what you're getting in store for. So, um, I think it's just a fair question to just write that down on your to-do list. Is any provider who may enter my care um, during that delivery, would they be in network just so that you have that idea?
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a great answer. So is it possible for someone to, I don't know, like call the insurance company and, and this might be impossible to say, like, can you, lay out all the overall costs like prenatal visits the prenatal tests the birth the postpartum the postpartum stay do can hospital can uh, insurance companies do that
1: they should be able to based on codes provided from your provider so i know that what i 'll do is sometimes people will call and they 're like well if it 's a wellness visit like a physical exam there 's typically no copay associated it 's just part of their benefit, but if it 's uh, you know a visit to review labs or to talk about a new complaint that 's not part of a regular physical." then that would be subject to their deductible. And so um, it's billed differently to insurance. So we can sometimes provide like the um, codes, they're called CPT codes um, ahead of time for a patient to kind of know, and perhaps what's called ICD-10 codes, which are kind of like the warrant for the visit um, or for the labs. And so I often like print a lab slip out for a patient and say, here's the code for the test and here's the codes that mean why I'm doing it and double check with your insurance that that's an okay thing like vitamin D deficiency to order vitamin D, like they should be able to say yes or no, that would be a covered item or yes, it would be subject to your deductible. So, um, I would, it's a tedious process. However, they should be able to do it. And I've had patients go line by line, even with their labs to do that and found information on that.
0: Oh, that's great. I've also had students tell me that they've wanted to have more ultrasounds, but they're the, I'm sure it wasn't the care providers, maybe the the nurse or somebody that was handling the billing said you only get two per pregnancy. And if you want another one, it's going to cost more. So like finding that stuff out ahead of time might also be helpful.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point because some insurance is truly only allowed to ultrasounds unless there's and like a health reason. Like a reason, like, yeah.
0: If they just want to like see baby, they're, they might yeah, not be keen on would that. Be
1: fun, yeah. But yeah, sometimes the insurance is like no, we aren't covering that. So.
0: so you brought up deductible a few times. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about the difference between individual and family deductible?
1: Yeah. So your individual deductible is basically, um, what, what your plan lists as like the max, uh, uh, that you'd have to pay specifically based off of you. Usually like if you have a family of four, everybody has the same individual deductible, say it's $2,000. Um, and that there's two different, uh, deductibles. Typically there's the in-network deductible and the out-of-network classically out-of-network deductibles typically twice what's in-network. So say you have a 2,000 individual in-network, 4,000 uh, individual out-of-network. So you basically have to pay up to $2,000. Um, and usually it's a percentage of your care. So usually it's like you pay 20% until your deductible's met. Sometimes you pay 100% until your deductible is met. Everybody's plan is a bit different. Um, but that's that would be what your individual deductible is. Then there's a family in network and out of network deductible, which is usually like the sum of two of the fam- of the provide um, family members and on the list. So usually like the family. In network deductible would be 4,000 for that example, and then the out of network would be 8,000. So if, you know, everybody's kind of seeing providers and, you know, one person blew it out of the water, but like everybody else is kind of seeing people here and there, the sum of everybody together getting to that 4,000 individual would then mean you've sufficed that, even though, you know, one person in that group may only have used $100 of it. That's okay until once that total family, uh, in-network deductible is met, you really, you won't have a deductible after that. Um, I don't know if that complicated things to try to give that illustration, but I will say too, something that I learned the hard way is that there's this deductible, but there's also a max out of pocket, which is kind of a concept that I'm still not totally clear on, but it's basically the total amount of money that your insurance could, um, expect you to pay for any type of care. And so I always look at that whenever we pick an insurance plan because I'm like, I just want to know if doomsday comes and we all need some major interventions this year, what would be the most I would ever have to pay for this entire family to get care? And usually that's like twice what your deductible, family deductible is. Um, so it's usually listed out on your plan. So if you're looking at that like summary page, it will say individual, in-network, out-of-network, family, in-network, out-of-network, and then your max out-of-pocket for the entire family. And I think uh, that's important for
0: people to realize. So if they're looking at the how, like kind of trying to budget, like how much could this possibly cost just at least having that top number being like, okay, if all kind of falls apart and we need a lot of intervention during this birth and maybe as you said, like the NICU or whatever, (laughs) like kind of having that in their mind, like this is the most it could be.
1: Right, exactly, so that's I think that's probably the best way to wrap your mind around it. But I still think it's good to call, you know, and make sure like is is my provider in network or out of network? Is the hospital I may choose to use in network or out of network? So it can give you more of a realistic expectation. But if you're kind of a doomsday prepper like me, it would be like, what's the worst damage that could happen? Yeah, and I would want that too. I'm like, okay, let
0: yeah. me wrap my mind. That's the top we can go to. All right, totally. we're gonna come. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about what happens when someone I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at Chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: All right. So they figured out their individual. They figured out their family. So what happens if now they've met that? Is everything just covered?
1: So that's where this max out of pocket comes oh. into play. So again, like I thought we were smooth sailing after that, but I learned that now there's often a percentage that you pay and that doesn't go towards a deductible, but goes towards this max out of pocket. Um, and so it's a much it's so small, complicated, <laughs> it's so complicated. It like it's mind blowing, and I act like I know a ton about it. I just know enough to, to. Keep myself in a good spot, honestly. Um, but I think that's that's where that uh, max out of pocket is important to look at. And there's a max out of pocket for in and out of network, of course. Um, but if you're, you know, that's where you might want to look at for like your pediatrician and you know your team for your baby, um, who you want to see for care. If you're going to see a chiropractor or anyone for lip or tongue tie, like are these people going to be in network or out of network? And um, did you only meet your individual deductible or, um, the family deductible? Cause again, the baby's going to have their own, um, and, uh, in network and out of network again, too. So that maps out of pocket, like I said, is typically a percentage of the total charge. So sometimes it's 10% or 20% that you pay up until that amount is met. Um, and then, then you're smooth sailing and everything's covered at a hundred percent.
0: Okay. So hopefully community that's listening, you might have to rewind and listen to it again, but I got it. I kind of understood yeah. that. So yeah. this is great information yeah, so you were talking about, you know once baby's born, they're they're their own person on the plan. So, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe after baby's born, there's a window of time to add the baby to the plan and then possibly even choosing a new plan. So can you talk a little bit to that and then maybe what people may want to look at when shopping for a new plan for a family?
1: So I believe the window is one month you have, um, to add the baby to your plan. Um, and you, there's only a handful of like life circumstances, they call them that you can change your insurance and having a baby would be one of them. Um, and so I'm not sure exactly what that would look like if you switched your plan, right at that moment, you're probably looking at having new deductibles and mm. all of that. So you, you know, oh, just goodness. be cautious of that.
0: If yeah. <laughs> you just it, got your whole deductible met and then you yeah. change plans and you're like, what? Okay.
1: Yeah. So just be aware of that. Cause you know, it looks like the grass is greener on the other side, they might cover more stuff, but then you got to kind of start fresh again. So that's why, um, you know, sometimes, um, It may not make the most sense, but it could specifically in certain circumstances, perhaps if like the, you know, a female is carrying the uh, the insurance plan and then the partner is going to be the one who's now going to have to pick up the insurance because they may be going down to part time or, you know, what that might look like. So there could be reasons why. Um, But when you're shopping for insurance, I think, you know, think of what's important to you. Like, do you guys like to go to see chiropractors or physical therapists? Or um, do you think your kiddo might need speech therapy or, um, you know, occupational therapy? A lot of plans only give you a certain allotted amount and then that's kind of it. Um, Luckily, especially for those particular things, um, physical therapy, speech and occupational therapy, there's typically state-run programs that are paid by the state to help support and they come into your home if it's, you know, if someone's having a delay or something Mm. like that, but it is nice to be able to use your insurance and pick where you want to go too. So if you feel like you guys might be a family who uses those kind of things, um, picking a plan that gives you enough of those visits would be helpful. Um, Another thing that probably isn't pertinent to many people, but my son does have like a cough assist machine and a suction machine for if he's sick. And, you know, all of those supplies monthly um, are subject to a deductible. And every insurance plan covers this durable medical equipment differently. Um, if anyone in your home is, you know, uses a, a mobility device, like a power chair or a stander or something like that, also looking at what kind of coverage they have, because I've kind of learned the hard way by having a few different insurances. They all are Really different in what mm. they're um, eligible to cover so um, but hopefully in the terms of just birthing those aren't things that you're gonna really think about right out the gate
0: right, but it's good to think about some of the costs and i'll ask I'll actually ask in a little bit about some of the newborn costs but I, we've been talking a lot about insurance and what we've learned and I'll try not to go too much on a on a rant here but we've learned you know in our country that It's a privilege to have insurance. So what if someone is uninsured? What are their options?
1: Oh, golly. If you're uninsured, I would call what, whatever state that you're in to like figure out a way to get on a plan in Connecticut, it's called Husky. It's the Medicaid plan. Um, and if you make under a certain dollar amount per year, you qualify. So, um, I feel like, and to be honest, Medicaid actually covers things very well, Mm -hmm. um, and allows you kind of, uh, quite a bit of choice, um, So I would really try very diligently to try to get on whatever state Medicaid plan you have if it's feasible. I will say it's kind of frustrating when you see like, you know, you make a certain amount of money, you may have student loans other kids, other things where money goes towards, but that doesn't get, you know, uh, counted into that. Well, maybe the other children in the house dependents, but doesn't get, um, counted in that calculation of to like what, who would qualify for Medicaid. So some people kind of end up on that like cusp. And so it's like, you know, how much health insurance costs and to pay that, you know, out of pocket would just sometimes be impossible. So it's not best for everyone, but really trying to get on Medicaid because it's going to save you a ton. Um, If you are not able to get on Medicaid for some reason and you're uninsured and you're pregnant, I would definitely reach out to, um, resources in your state. So, um, I, I planned parenthood or different places where they might have like free prenatal care. Um, I know there's community clinics here in Connecticut, um, that would take, I think they don't take uh, fee for service at all i don't believe um, or they can at least give you a social worker to help you navigate what that would look like cuz the last thing i want is for someone to have to try to pay for that out of pocket cuz that can get really it's
0: enormous yeah
1: uh, uh, and medical debt is like something that can cripple a family and it's there's no need to to add you know stress when you're having a baby so I would definitely reach out to your providers, and everyone is going to have somewhere to point you. Even a local hospital will have a social worker that you can talk to and be like, "This is my situation. How can you help me?" Because it's just too much to try to shoulder. And sometimes I've heard some pretty not nice things about hospitals being like, "Oh, well, sorry about your situation." They're not that accommodating for, for payment plans. Some are, but I've heard some like unrealistic expectations of a family where I'm like, well, they can't even work right now. So how is that possible? Um, but I would, I would just say really try very diligently to get on Medicaid. Um, and if you don't have insurance for some reason or you're in between jobs or something like that, you should qualify,
0: especially That's if you're paid advice. So you just brought up payment plans. Do you know if it's possible to negotiate medical bills or set up a payment plan.
1: Absolutely. I always say, do not pay a bill when it first arrives, even though it's like against my grain. I just
0: don't <laughs> That's want so to- funny. <laughs> I'm such like the, the bill arrives, like I hate owing. So I'm all like bill arrives. Yeah. Pay, like, and I, it's so yeah. funny. <laughs> okay. Keep going there. <laughs> it's
1: like, definitely. It's like, it's like a nervous tip. Yes. I have <laughs> to pay it. Like, I just want to get it off my plate. So it's, it's always worth calling and being like, you know, I just want to make sure I understand this bill. Um, You know, what was I charged for so so just make sure that everything you're being charged for makes cohesive sense. If you're like, yes, I went to five PT visits and they charge X amount and that's what goes towards my deductible or whatever. Um, but then, you know, you just can call the billing department of any, any place, even our office, uh, and say, you know, Hey, here's my reality. I'm, You know, I w- I'm going to need a payment plan. I can't pay this all up front. And I can tell you that, I know we're always appreciative of people just being honest. We don't ever want to send someone to collections. It doesn't ever get recouped and we don't want to hurt anyone's credit, you know? So we usually just say, you know, do what you can and, you know, and we're really flexible with that. Some bigger institutions might not have as much flexibility, but you could say, you know, here's my reality. I'm going to be out of work for a year my i can do you know 50 bucks a month right now and that's it you know and if they're like well it has to be paid in a in a year then i you know we have to kind of whatever they're willing to work on us with but for sure always make sure it's correct whatever you're being billed for and um call them and ask. I mean, you can be realistic. Of course, you can't just ask them to erase it, I'm sure. But if you're like, you know, I just, I really need six months in order to even look at this. Some places will, will wait on it for you too. You know? So you just, you never know until you ask. It feels weird when it's not your MO to do that, but that's totally, totally appropriate. Oh, that's great advice. All right.
0: So is there, and and this might be a question that's not even possible, but what could somebody do to keep costs lower for a birth?
1: Yeah, gosh, I guess staying within your network for sure. Um, trying to be, you know, choosing providers and potentially hospitals and stuff that were in your network would definitely help cut down on the cost. Um, you can always ask too, like what at a hospital gets done. Like there's a hearing screening, um, newborn testing and stuff. And I mean, I know they have their reasons for doing it when you're right there, but you could ask, you know, is it okay if I wait on that or is it really necessary right now? And you can always, um, you know, maybe have a pre-meeting with their, um, uh, pediatrician too to see like is this something that's totally necessary or can we talk about this at our first appointment in the office? So just kind of getting an idea of what that hospital typically does, and you can then be like, well, here's what I don't want to have happen, and that will help cut down. I know one of my colleagues was looking through her um, bills from the hospital and was like, the hearing screen cost like whatever six hundred dollars or something like that, and she's like, I mean, we knew she could hear, I think, in the beginning. Like, was it that important in that moment? You know, so. I don't want to say that their screening exams are not warranted, but, you know, you can certainly ask and then learn what the cost of those are and, um, you know, and decline that if you so choose. I'm going to throw out something that I
0: think, and granted, I'm a little biased, but because I, I used to be a doula, but there is actually studies that have shown having continuous labor support lowers the rate of intervention. So if someone, while well, the upfront cost of a doula Could be a bit having them there may lower the cost of the birth because they may not end up necessarily with as much intervention.
1: I can see that a thousand percent. I mean, if you have someone there and you know, your partner's great, but like sometimes they're not equipped to be with you in that kind of an experience. I mean, you want them there, but sometimes they're not the best coach or playing the right kind of music or you know. But they don't I mean, have necessarily the same eye of saying, you know, yes.
0: this is within the realm of normal and what I think the, again, I love that. I'm a data bit driven person, but the data saying I think it's that they're having more support, so they're able to cope more. And that doesn't mean that a doula doesn't support people that are having a medicated birth. But for those that are looking to not, it may, having that continuous support with someone with a lot of tools may help them get to that place. Um, Totally, totally. Or just even if, they're, even if they're medicated, they may then say, okay, let's pull out the peanut ball and help you move from side to side and open your pelvis, which may then prevent, I'm going down a bit of a rabbit hole, failure to progress, which then may prevent a cesarean. So I'm totally. just throwing that out there because again, I'm biased. I'm the <laughs> <gonna, I'm laughs> first to admit that. I <laughs>
1: mean, I think if you can have a doula, I mean, by all means, and I actually just saw something that insurance providers, some are starting to cover those <gasps> services amazing. So I think definitely it's worth looking into because I feel like honestly, um, uh, my doula was so helpful and me under, she was, uh, had experience with twins, which was really helpful for me. Um, but like giving me the idea of like what happens and like w- when, what time do we call it or provide this kind of intervention and just, you know, having that person there definitely just calms your nerves. Um, but I can see how, I mean, if they're like, you know what, this is just normal and kind of coaching you through it. Cause they know like your partner wouldn't necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you're kind of more able to kind of probably stave off interventions that you wouldn't have wanted anyways, likely. So yeah, I
0: I just love talking about duels. All
1: right. uh,
0: (laughs) So what are some unexpected costs someone may want to be prepared for?
1: Oh, golly. I feel like um, for me, because I was really uh, set on pumping, I wanted to make sure I had um, all of the supplies that I needed. Mm-hmm. So I did end up, um, having two, I rented a, a hospital grade pump, which was like 70 bucks a month. I think my insurance had already paid for a different pump for me to have, but it wasn't medical grade. And since I had twins, I wanted to really make, I was my effort. Um, so that was one thing maybe to consider the hospital grade pumps are great. So are the ones that the insurance provides typically. Um, so that was an extra expense. Um, uh, I mean, little things like that, you know, just, um, if you're going to be formula feeding formula is very expensive, like insanely expensive. And that unfortunately doesn't get covered by insurance. So budgeting for that, um, too, um, but associated specifically in the hospital, I think, like I said, just looking at that, like number that could be ever a potential cause the sky is the limit. What could possibly ever happen, you know, God forbid, but I think really just knowing That, you know, all bases are covered should that ever be an issue. Mm -hmm. Might bring some peace of mind, but those little things do add up, you know. 70 bucks here or $150 worth of formula there. Just making sure that you have that, you know, also in the back of your mind too, as far as Yeah. I didn't know formula was that expensive. Wow.
0: Um, Oh my gosh. One thing I know from being a doula here in the city is if somebody wanted a private room, that for many of the hospitals was out of pocket. So I would, (laughs) the baby would be born and then the parent would hand me a credit card and I'm like running down and trying to get them because you couldn't do it until the baby was born. And those rooms, and again, this is only New York-based. I'd love to hear from other community members what's normal in their hospital, but they could be upward like four or five, six hundred dollars a night. It's
1: insane. I, mean, I can't believe it. I, I guess we were so lucky. I mean, we're not in New York City. I never even thought about that though. Um, we had our own private room. Um, but, and that was part of what we did. I think unless there were overflow or they were really swamped with births, would we have to share a room? But yeah, I mean, that's a really good point because insurance might be like, well, it's not a necessity for you to have your own room, although it's not. So definitely something to think about. All right. So just a few more questions. What do we need to know
0: about care and medical costs for newborns? So you mentioned formula, what else might someone, and you mentioned pumps, is there anything else Someone should start to wrap their head around for how much it costs once the baby's born.
1: I mean, just those basics. I mean, diapers and all that stuff. And, you know, usually people are pretty generous if you have a shower or something like that. But, um, you know, just kind of having all those costs, like think about, like, if you have previous children, like, what were the things that, you know, kind of took out of that monthly budget and then writing them all down? So you kind of have a, a visual and it may not be all that, at, you know, upfront, but, um, again, just to kind of have that lump sum, prepared in your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are kind of the biggest things. If you're going to be going back to work right away, obviously, if you need a nanny or you're going to be putting your child in childcare, those are things you probably already thought about ahead of time too. Um, but that also is a big factor as well.
0: Do you know if IBCLCs are covered, uh, lactation consultants?
1: You know, one of them that I did see through the midwife was because she was kind of billed as like a secondary provider under them. But I know the couple of that I did see as well were um, private and they didn't take insurance. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it all just depends. But if you have a midwife, I'm sure they have a lactation consultant and you could probably see them. I know. At- that,
0: yeah, our pediatrician actually. Um- she would, I mean, I her. think she was screening for PMADS, but she wanted to watch and see how I was latching and feeding. So I don't know if, again, if it was a screening for PMADS or she legitimately wanted to help with, with, uh, breastfeeding. So maybe that was unique to my pediatrician, but that's something I think people can ask, you know, is there a pediatrician uh-huh. able to support them for breastfeeding as well? And I know some pediatricians are actually IBCLCs. I've been knowing more and more that have taken that on, which I think is Fantastic. So oh, exciting. especially
1: if it's like a one-stop shop, because you know, with a brand new baby, it's a lot to just oh, yeah. pack it up and get going. So that would be amazing. Yeah. And I think, um, there's always, uh, typically at least a hospital that I was at have lactation consultants that you can ask to come right away. Just cause especially if it's your first child, you're kind of like, am I doing it right? And you know, it's nice to have that coaching and that's covered. That was a covered benefit of um, being provided by that hospital. So that's something maybe to think about too. Oh, I didn't realize that if they're covered by the hospital oh everyone
0: yeah. then they, whether is going well or not why not if it's covered by the hospital ask Totally, for and that. they yeah. were so
1: kind i mean they brought me like these like um medella like um these cooling gel pads for your breasts. it felt so amazing cuz at first it's kind of sore and they bring you like they give you recommendations of pumping bras like it's it's just like oh, really place to start. If you can have that option. Yes. Take that, take that everyone. (laughs) We're going to take one more break. And
0: when (laughs) we come back, if you can offer one tip or final piece of advice for new and expectant parents, it can be anything because you, you are a mom. So anything that you want to share with our community, we'll be right back That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: All right. What would you like to leave us with?
1: Oh gosh. I feel like all the stuff we talked about is not the fun, sexy part of being a parent. (laughs) It's like all the stuff that's reality though. And it takes away from the fun aspect of having the baby and experiencing that. So I think, you know, trying to be as prepared as you can and like, you know, letting things take its course and just trying to enjoy the ride. You know, I don't want you to feel like you have to nickel and dime all your providers and, you know, having to be, you know, acting, you know, like, oh gosh, I can't go here ever because of my my insurance but i think just allowing yourself you know, that space to just relax and enjoy the pregnancy, enjoy your baby, because, you know, I think a lot of it can get lost in the stress of the financial piece. So I think if you're already listening to this podcast or you're already thinking about that, you're a million steps ahead of the game and, um, you know, just getting yourself prepared. So you don't have to think about that whenever it's, you know, time to just enjoy the baby. So I think, you know, giving your space to enjoy and, and, and relax and, um, yeah. And, and, and love your family. <laughs> I feel like oh, that's, that's so the good. Most important part. <laughs> Where can people find your work? Yeah, so you can find me. um, We're at Collaborative Natural Health Partners uh ctnaturalhealth.com. Um and we do do telehealth now uh thanks to the pandemic so we're pretty well versed in um how to kind of coordinate telehealth visits if people are interested in naturopathic care. Um I do uh we do free lectures. If you go to our website once a month a provider will give a free lecture on a health topic. Um, I actually did just one last night. Um, and we have you know courses that we're putting up on our website often because we find people are thirsty for knowledge, especially on topics like healthcare. So we have a, an upcoming lecture by my colleague on how to be an informed patient. So beyond birthing, um, it's an important thing to learn even just for yourself or for your family. Um, so yeah, check out our website and look at our, um, upcoming classes and most of them are free and you're, you're welcome to join in and learn more. Oh, I love that. I love that you have stuff
0: online. This has been so great. Thank you so much. I think you're giving people a lot to think about ahead of time. And I'm always about the more we can digest this information, get, It's it done ahead of time. Then we can head into the birth without thinking, what is this going to cost and cause more anxiety? So thank you for so clearly uh, offering this to the community.
1: Definitely. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. This
0: has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.